on your part. Alright. Here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the On Track and Field Podcast. I'm Jay Tears, your host. And you know what? This isn't your first time listening to this podcast, and it won't be your last, because it's a good podcast. But on trackandfield.com has what you need to give your kids the best opportunity to succeed because they have great equipment. They have shoes. They have everything you need. You just need to go. It's a one-stop shop, family-owned, and they're fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because they pay my family's bills. I'm saying that because I use them. I'm a head coach. I have pole vault pits and poles and hurdles and blocks, and I want the best of the best, and they have it, and they have it really good prices too. Imagine that track and field equipment at a good price go on trackandfield.com check them out and with me today is coach bernard in his 17th year as a head coach at colorado state go rams he led them to a team title at the mountain west outdoor championships they won four events in that process too he was named the uh, mountain west region coach of the year i think i said that right and Nine of his athletes earned all-conference honors just this last year. I'm really excited to have it on because I've been wanting to talk to him for a long time. Coach, thanks for joining me. JT, it's going to be fun. I look forward to it. All right. The, the question that everybody has to ask, your culture. I mean, you won four events or your team won four events, but yeah, there's a lot of second, third, and a lot of places. So you had your entire group with the mindset of, hey, we're going to go win this championship. How'd you do that? Yeah, that's um, – we don't necessarily go in – I mean, championships have been part of our culture over the last um, probably 16 years anyway. We've had, we've we've uh, been able – fortunate enough to have some quality athletes and really good coaches uh, that have helped us win some championships. And um, we don't necessarily focus on winning championships. We're trying to be the, the best version that we can be and – very, our staff's very process oriented. There's, you know, certain things we demand every day at practice and expect every day. And, um, and that, I think if you do the preparation, if you put in the hard work, um, if you have the dedication and you recruit the right kids and have the right staff, uh, the championship culture and the winning part of it kind of takes care of itself in my opinion. Yeah. So let me go, let me ask you a question. I have never really asked anybody. It's hiring the right staff. Yes, sir. How do you do that? How does a head coach even find the right person? I'm sure you made mistakes or people didn't turn out to be exactly what they, you know, you thought they would be, but sometimes there's great surprises too. Do you just get lucky? What do you look for? Well, I want to hire a character first. You know, I got to have people on my staff that I can trust um, that I can trust with the student athletes. Um, they have to really buy into to what we're doing at Colorado state. And, uh, I I really have a problem with coaches that are ego centered and are about themselves and stroking their own ego. That just doesn't work on my staff. Uh, I want I want uh, staff that's you know servant leaders. They're there to serve the team and the student athletes. They're there to life coach the student athletes. Uh, make them obviously make them the best they can be and be competent as a coach and and um, be able to write a good training plan and all that. But. Uh, in the end, they got to be there for the student athletes and for the program, and and uh, you know help life coach those kids because you know our job's a little more complicated than it's probably been in the past with everything that's going on, and uh, our coaches have to be ready and willing to be able to you know help out and have an open door when an athlete's struggling to be able to talk to them and stuff. So, um, but yeah, check your ego at the door. That doesn't work. That doesn't work with me. 
same, you know, same with the athletes I recruit. I want athletes that are confident and competitive and like to win, but um, not a fan of excuse makers and, and folks that point fingers and blame. And um, they want them to accept, you know, personal responsibility for their, for their career and for where they're at. And uh, that's just, you know, that message uh, I talk about that with my team all the time, just had a, a recent team meeting and, you know, own your stuff. You know, if you messed up, if you didn't do something very well, own it. Uh, don't, don't point fingers and blame and, well, you know, that wasn't my fault. Or, you know, just own it and let's, let's learn from it and come up with the strategies so it doesn't happen again. If we can kind of move forward and grow from it and, and come out better the other side. And I told my team, I still make mistakes, you know. Even at 58 years old, I'm still just ask my wife. She'll let you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm still making mistakes. I'm not perfect. Uh, so, and we talk about communication a lot with the team. It's it's critical. I have about 110 athletes on my roster, men and women combined. You know, we have six full time coaches and about four volunteer coaches, then uh, an array of support staff and strength coaches and all that. And man, we have to be on the same page. Have to communicate well. Um, but we're going to make some mistakes in communication and listening and, and so forth. And, uh, you gotta, you gotta own that part of it and, and, uh, go back. And sometimes you get apologize for something you said, if it came off wrong and, and, uh, learn from it and grow from it. And then, uh, not gonna, you know, you misunderstood me and I'm all about face-to-face -face communication, eye contact, you know, the age of the text message and the email. And I just think, uh, a lot can be lost in translation there. That makes a lot of sense. Now, also, you're you're a coach and a very successful coach with a style and a philosophy. When right. you're trying to hire a staff, are you trying to vet them, or are they trying to convince you of something different, or do you just trust them and let them do their thing? How does that work from a head coach on down with the? I mean, you just talked about a lot of people. You're going to have to make sure are all moving in the right, same direction. Right. Um, I'm definitely, you know, vetting them and, and seeing if they're a good fit. And I said, this is how we run things. Uh, and, and they need to know that up front as do the recruits coming in. This is how we do things. Uh, when I bring a recruit on campus, it's not some, some Vegas show where we, we spin it different than it's going to be. When you come on campus, Colorado state, you know, we're going to give you kind of a, this is the life of a student athlete, Colorado state for better or worse. Um, we want it to be a pretty accurate representation of what it's going to be like when you're here as a student athlete. So uh, when they get here, they're like, wow, this is a lot different, you know, because uh, the staff is different. Everybody's a lot friendlier, and, and this is not what they sold me in the recruiting process. I don't want that. I don't want kids jumping on the transfer portal. I, I want them to know, okay, this is Colorado State. This is how it's going to be, and, and uh, get a good understanding of that. Same with the staff. I mean, when I hire coaches again, I want humble coaches. They're here to serve, and and I can tell that pretty quickly. And obviously, character is huge. I just can't have a coach making a dumb mistake uh, and blowing up the whole program. I've you know spent thirty five years here working for this program, uh, pouring my heart and soul into it, and I, I'm not going to have someone come in and blow it up that way. So, wow! Yeah, every year I put together a list of two hundred colleges with coaches and who's where and emails. And I have to tell you, coach, every year I redo it and I have to redo a lot of emails because those coaches are jumping all over the place. Now you haven't moved from this place. I mean, you've been there for 17 years as a head coach. That's a long time to be at a school from what I've seen. So I feel like asking you this next question, I'm going to give this to all my student athletes and all the high school athletes out there is what do these kids need to be doing 
besides running fast and jumping far, how can they make themselves marketable to you? What advice do you have for the high school athlete that wants to aspire to be a collegiate runner at any school, but especially Colorado State? Well, you know, luckily with track and field, it's pretty easy to track results. You know, if you're in another sport like soccer and uh, my youngest daughter played soccer at Colorado State and in the recruiting process, it's very subjective. I mean, those coaches literally have to go to the tournaments and watch them play. With track and field, we're lucky enough to have, you know, a timing system and a tape measure and so forth and, and a lot of results out there that we can track your progress. Um, I, I think every college coach you know in the recruiting process wants to know that you're actually interested in university and you know when they reach out to you and say Colorado State looks like a good fit for me and both academically and you know track and field wise or cross country or whatever um, that means something okay that that particular athlete has reached out to us and I've had uh, potential recruits send a email to me and they've they've had the wrong coach they just say hey coach uh, you know, without my name on it, they've sent it to the wrong school. You know, they thought we were University of Colorado or somewhere else. And that's mm. not a great way to start the recruiting process. <laughs> no. Because uh, you obviously are, are not that invested in, in in doing this thing right, but it should be a, uh, in a personal contact or so forth. And uh, love to see video footage, either training or competition. Because uh, especially, you know, I coach the, the throwing events and help out with the multi-event. So, um, I'm definitely looking at how an athlete moves and, and where they're at technically and, and figuring out what I need to do with them to make them better. Um, but all the information we get, you got to be good academically. I really don't want to inherit an academic problem the whole time. Uh, if we have an athlete that's struggling with academics the whole t- their whole four or five-year career, uh, that's just a real strain on the whole staff. So um, I want athletes that are serious about their academics and, and they're going to do a good job in the classroom too. And then, you know, character wise, um, what kind of leadership traits do they have? Uh, how are they going to help the team out that way? Cause you know, every year we literally graduate a quarter of our team every year. So, you know, 25% of our team graduates and there's a huge turnover and who's, who are going to be the next leaders on our team? And, um, and in the recruiting process, we involve our current student athletes a lot because they know what we're trying to do at Colorado state, how we want it, do, how we want it done, what our expectations are. So they are heavily involved in the recruiting process and evaluating the recruits that come in. You know, are they going to be a good fit for our program or not? Are they going to do they show leadership potential? Uh, are they competitive? How are they socially? You know, because a lot of times uh, the recruits will say things to our you know student athletes that are helping out with the recruiting visit that they won't say to a coach. So, you know, character wise, are they a good fit for our team? Also, wow, it makes a lot of sense. So earlier you mentioned that, I mean, it's very subjective because track and field, you can go on athletic.net, mile split, wherever you're just looking at marks. I mean, what does a college coach actually do all day trying to, I mean, they just spending nine hours a day sifting through just Excel spreadsheets and data. I mean, how are they actually recruiting athletes? Uh, that's not necessarily how we do it. Maybe JJ does that. He's a uh, he's my cyborg on staff. I'm not. He's <laughs> he's part uh, part computer, but uh, so he does a little more of that. Uh, you know, Mile Split's a great resource for us um, to to out- evaluate. And really, I want to take care of uh, recruiting in our own backyard first. So we're going to recruit Colorado first, and then the surrounding states, and kind of in our region. 
I've just found um, that we have a better success rate with kids that are, you know, uh, from this area and can go home and get a booster shot once in a while. They're used to our climate a little bit, used to, you know, they know a little bit more about Colorado State. Um, so that's important. I, I re- try to recruit the region re- really well. Um, our recruiting budget isn't that big, so we don't do a ton of home visits, I'll be honest with you. So most of our recruiting is spent uh, bringing kids on campus and really getting to know them there uh, and seeing how they interact with our current student athletes. I think that's the most valuable uh, tool we have. Um, and then athletes that, you know, reach out to us. Uh, I do take note of that. And if, if they meet some of our recruiting standards and we get pretty excited when an athlete's contacting us, that makes uh, our job easier. And I love it when an athlete shows interest in our program up front. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, that's the, I'm glad you affirm. That's the advice that I think a lot of good high school coaches are giving because in today's day and age, athletes are sitting around waiting for coaches to contact them. Unfortunately, this isn't football. This isn't basketball. You know, you're not, I mean, this is these high school track athletes need to go reach out to the schools they want to go to. I think it's great advice coach. And I really appreciate that. Um, Let me just quickly switch gears. I've noticed you do a really good job and your staff does a really good job keeping athletes healthy. I know we all have our little things here and there. What do you do that keeps these kids their very best when it matters the most? Uh, well, on the front end, it's, it's part of having an experienced staff that knows how to design training, knows when to peak, peak kids at the right time. But it goes back to something we talked about a little earlier is the communication side of it. Um, and this is something we stress from day one with, with our newcomers. Uh, they have to be comfortable communicating with our staff, both the coaches and our uh, medical staff, and being honest and upfront with, with how they're doing. Because a lot of things, you know, I do have an experienced staff, and, and we can easily adjust training if we get somebody that's, that's feeling really tired or banged up or we've got a, you know, sore, sore legs or feet, whatever it might be. We've got a sore spot we've got to work on. It's very easy for us to adjust some training on the front end, but if an athlete's, well, not comfortable enough talking with, you know, their coach, their event coach or head coach or medical staff, trying to prove themselves and, and, and be a hero a little bit and not listening to their body and, and not communicating that to the staff, then all of a sudden we have a stress fracture or stress reaction, and that's serious. Now we're out six to eight weeks, if not more, trying to deal with that when you know, some, some lower leg pain, some lower leg discomfort. If we backed off training or worked in some, uh, alternate training and, you know, um, maybe get them on stationary bike, pool work, uh, our treadmills, uh, our boost treadmill, whatever it might be, there's some things we can do to, um, still keep them fit yet, get them off their legs and the pounding. And, uh, so that again, goes back to communication, eye to eyes, communication, um, being real honest with how you're doing, and then we can adjust workouts on the fly that day uh, and have a plan going forward. Yeah, so let's say one of your assistant coaches or any assistant coach wants to be a head coach like you. What advice do you give an assistant coach that aspires to be at a place like Colorado Strait or any any place? They just want to be a head coach. I mean, what what does an assistant coach need to do and change and learn real quick to be a head coach? Careful what you wish for. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I had, I had that uh, session I did at the, the national convention down in Denver and talked to a bunch of uh, assistant coaches that were kind of aspiring to, or at least thinking about being a head coach. Um, 
one thing I, I did was really, uh, I worked for a couple different head coaches uh, while I was here at Colorado State and really good folks um, that treated the athletes well, were in coaching for the right reasons. But I, I also, you know, evaluated uh, how they ran the team. And I took notes on what I wanted to do, what I wanted to adopt if I was in a position to be a head coach and some things I would probably change because I thought it could be done differently or maybe better. I don't know. Um, and one of those things uh, that stood out to me was just uh, having really clear communications and expectations. And um, some of the head coaches at Colorado State make fun of me because my team rules and expectations is I have a PowerPoint presentation. I go through it with the whole team. It's um, a lot of it's uh, going through what I expect and, and, and it's um, in, in, it's in detail. And some of those coaches said it's too much detail, but I, my wife and I raised two teenage daughters. And if we were not on the same page of how we communicated with our kids and what the house rules were, uh, then the kids manipulated things. And, and, you know, so we had to be on the same page. So I wanted my staff to be on the same page, the athletes to know where we stand and how we do things. Um, so it's part, part team rules, part comedy session. I give some really good examples of what to do, what not to do, and what some athletes have done in the past, where they messed up and how we dealt with that and so forth. Um, but I think it's really important on the front end to have very clear expectations, goals, directions. And then here's the kicker. Cause, um, at Colorado State, we've met numerous times as a head coaching staff, probably over the last three years, to build championship culture. And I think that term, like I talked to you before, is overused. Um, and every coach in those meetings, um, some are not at Colorado State anymore because their culture did not work. Um, but even those coaches had a great plan and a really good PowerPoint presentation. And you know what? That makes sense to me. I get it. Uh, if they work it every day. Mm. And the problem is, was the inconsistency. They had a great plan in place and it looked really good up on PowerPoint, but they didn't live it out every day. And there was just major inconsistencies with how they ran things and, and uh, how they treated the student athletes and what was acceptable and not acceptable. And it just shoots holes in the whole thing and your whole plan if you're all over the board. And that's like parenting too, though. You know, if you don't have consistent parenting, it's going to be teaching. If, if you if you uh, have certain expectations in your class, but you you don't hold the standard every day, and you're all over the board, then that you know you're going to have a class that's that's all over the place too. So um, that's just really important is the consistency piece, and I think that that's really the, the the crux of it, and and what sets up for a championship culture is the. Um, some of the things we talk about is hard, you know, hard work, obviously, and that's overused come to practice with a great attitude, really good energy, ready to be coached. Okay. You got to humble yourself to be ready to coach and listen and make changes, uh, supportive of teammates, encourage and support your teammates. That's a must in our program. Uh, when we've got an athlete that does something well and has a breakthrough, technical breakthrough or performance breakthrough, we expect teammates and staff to be cheering for and encouraging that athlete. And then when, when an athlete isn't doing so well um, and they're really struggling, we need we need teammates and coaches to come up beside them and, and put an arm around them and say, hang in there. I've been there before. You're going to be okay. You know, give them some encouragement. And then there's the other side of it. When you get an athlete that's maybe cutting corners and not doing what they're supposed to do, you hope to have some leadership on the team and say, hey, that's not going to work here, you know. 
that's not our that's not our culture here. You're gonna have to step it up. And 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 I see you, you know, and it's it's not gonna work here. So and our coaches are, are pretty honest with the student athletes too. If you're doing you're not doing something well or cutting corners or not putting the effort in or got an atti- attitude that's not gonna work, or you're not being coachable, I'm gonna call you out. You're not being focused enough, you're not being coachable. So either we got something going on outside the track that needs to be taken care of. Um, but when you when you come on the track, you need to come here focused, ready to work, and and uh, be coachable. And if if you're just not in a good place, uh, maybe it's time you, you leave the track and come back tomorrow. I mean, so that's just that's how we do it, kind of in a nutshell. Some of the stuff, anyway. Yeah, I like the idea of holding kids accountable because once you do that, they know you care. There's value in it. They do. They do. Well, and the other thing that's um, I really push for is um, I want our stu- student athletes to earn their opportunities. Uh, there's kind of a, I don't know, there's a shift in NCAA culture and all that where um, every every athlete's kind of looking for, well, what, what do I get here? What do I get? You know, and then they get on the transfer portal, to look for greener pastures and because that program's doing something different or better or whatever. I want our athletes to have a mentality where um, you, you have to earn it in this program. You have to earn your roster spot because we make cuts every year. You got to earn it. Uh, you have to earn your scholarship. Um, and I have done scholarship reductions and non-renewals based on performance, whether it's academic performance, team rules issues, whatever. I mean, I do that. Um, you know, you have to earn your spot on our conference team. And there's only 28 spots to go to conference. That's what we're capped at. And, uh, you know, I have, you know, 52 women on the roster and 55 men. So we're going to be leaving a lot of people at home. It, hmm. it should be an honor and a privilege to make that conference roster. And, and I love that part of it. Um, going to certain certain big meets, big travel meets. You know, I just talked to the team about this. Uh, what are the travel expectations? Because we don't take everybody. I don't take 110 people out to California. You have to earn that opportunity to travel. How do you earn it? Well, you get a you get to beat people at home in our home meets and our local meets and show us that you need more competition. If you're getting your butt beat right here at home, why would I put you on a plane and fly you out to California to get beat? So um, you just have to show that you're at that level and ready to, and we're fair about it, but uh, my gosh, you have to earn it. You know, as our, our certain walk-on crew, I said, you do, do not get the full gear package. You're going to get a very minor gear package, shorts and a T-shirt, and once you make the, the roster, we'll give you the full gear package. Uh, I got some pushback from my equipment guy. Hey, you can't do that. You got to give everybody the full gear package. You know, if this was football, uh, there'd be some people really upset. I said, this isn't football, and this is different because in my program, you have to earn it. It should be a, a privilege. It should be an honor. So that's just kind of some of the philosophies. that Maybe that's yeah. old school. I don't know. Uh, but it seems common sense to me. It seems how, how it should be done. So and the kids seem to get it. Yeah. What happens when the kids earn it though, then it's that much more valuable. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. The mountain region coach of the year, coach Brian Bedard. We are so appreciative of you coming on the podcast. There's so much wisdom. I was actually just writing a bunch of notes coach. <laughs> and uh, so I <laughs> appreciate, appreciate you helping me. Um, and uh you know, where else can we follow? I know you're on Twitter and social media, but what about just the team? Where can we follow the team and what you guys are doing and accomplishing this next year? Oh, our our Twitter uh, CSU uh, 
uh, Twitter page for track and field is, is very active. We do a pretty good job there on our Instagram page. And then I have my uh, uh, Instagram and, and uh, Twitter accounts too. And I post a lot of stuff on there. I'm fairly active on that. And then I have kind of an offshoot to throwing smarter uh, stuff that I did a while back to help with uh, discus throwing technique. And I post a lot of uh, our, our throwing footage on there. And uh, I do some t technical breakdowns on there too that they can watch. And we shall. So uh, thank you, Coach. Appreciate you coming on. Stick around. Listen to our CEO, Steve Ringgold of On Track and Field, as well as RelayBatons.com. They power this podcast, and they'll let you know how to get in contact with them on social media. If you stick around just for 30 seconds, Steve, take us away. Thanks for listening to this week's On Track and Field podcast with this week's guest, Coach Brian Bedard. The On Track and Field podcast is powered by RelayBatons.com. Custom engraved, meat and competition legal relay batons, water bottles and tumblers. Great for team branding, fundraisers, meet awards and coaches gifts. And by OnTrackAndField.com. Cross country and tracks one-stop source for everything you need for a successful season. Competition gear, spikes, training equipment and shoes. On Track and field.com has everything you need and make sure to check out our new website on track your new source for competition and training shoes featuring Saucony, brooks on running new balance asics and hoka shoes and spikes on track and make sure to follow us on our socials at on track the letter and field at on track and field on twitter and the gram